welcome you this morning as we've gathered together for for worship and uh, just appreciate y'all praying for our family. Uh, Isaiah had his procedure Friday, everything went well, and uh, six to eight weeks into May, June, they'll go back for the second phase of that. So uh, what they did Friday is to prepare him for, to let him heal up for uh, what they will do later. So appreciate y'all's, y'all's prayers for, for him. Uh, are there other prayer requests, other things to share together this morning? Sir? Worship this morning will come from John chapter 15. We're going to be talking in Galatians chapter 5 later in the service about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and here Jesus uh, uh, speaks that same thing. John chapter 15, on the last night of Jesus' earthly life, he has gathered his men to himself, his followers, his disciples to himself, and has given them instructions as he is about to leave them in enemy territory for three years. They had been by his side, and now they were going to have to live life uh, uh, without his physical presence as he was returning to the Father, but coming to them in the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, he speaks these words in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for the Lord Jesus, and we're thankful for his finished work on the cross, his resurrection, and his ministry now at your right hand interceding for us. And we're thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son to us, to be in us, and to enable us and empower us to worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, we pray that we would abide in Christ, that his words would abide in us, and that we would bear much fruit for your glory and for our joy. May your spirit uh, empower our worship this day so that we might be worshipers in spirit and truth. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, I invite you to take out your hymnal and turn to hymn 336. As we continue to worship this morning, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, as we study through this great book that Paul wrote, this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian churches in modern-day Turkey, uh, churches that he had established on his first missionary journey in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby. Uh, he now uh, has heard that false teachers came in after him and preaching a gospel that was adding law to grace. They were saying that there are things that we must do in order to be right with God. Uh, while Paul had preached the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we are not saved by obeying the law. We're not saved by our good works. We're not saved by anything 
in us or about us, we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And Paul writes this letter to defend that gospel and to defend that doctrine. There is no law that we can obey that will cause God to accept us. We are not saved by observing the law. We are justified by our faith alone. And now in this section of the letter, he says not only does the law not save us, but the law does not sanctify us. The law does not make us holy. The law does not, uh, we're not saved by grace and then obligated to keep the law to stay saved or to grow in our grace and, and grow in maturity, grow in our faith. Uh, we're not obligated by the law even after our conversion. Uh, we are called to walk in the Spirit. And last week we looked at Paul warning against the works of the flesh. And today we will focus our attention on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, to set our passage in its context, I'll begin reading in verse uh, 16 of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, the 16th verse, our text today will be verses 22 through 25, but I'll read the previous verses to remind us of the context. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our text today, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so in this section of the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatian churches, Paul encourages the believers to be what they are. Be who you are. Uh, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. If you are in Christ, you have crucified the flesh. Do not fulfill its desires. Paul encourages us to be who we are. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth of it. And Lord, we're thankful for your grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And we're thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that leads us into truth, that helps us understand truth, that helps us apply truth to our lives, and then helps us to walk in the truth. And, and we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that produces his fruit in us, the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And Lord, may we leave this place more like Jesus as the Holy Spirit 
produces his fruit in our lives. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, in my, uh, I don't know, wow, uh, 25 to 30 years as a pastor, I've had lots of opportunity to talk to people who are leaving their current church and looking for another church, looking for a different church. And, of course, uh, I want to know why. You know, why do you feel the need to leave your current church? I know that pastor. I know he is a faithful shepherd. I know he is preaching the truth. Why is it that you want to leave that church and find another? And a very common response is, well, I just don't feel the Holy Spirit there. I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I don't feel the work of the Spirit. And it makes me wonder, what, what did, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is present? Well, we know the Holy Spirit is present because of the Word of God that tells us He is omnipresent. We also know that the Holy Spirit is present because He indwells every single person who has turned from sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. They've been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. But how do we know that the Holy Spirit is at work? How do we know that the Holy Spirit is working in a church? We might ask some of our neighbors, and they might say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is, uh, is at work when the music generates a certain feeling in me, a, a certain emotion. The music moves me inside and maybe even outside. Or maybe we can say that the Holy Spirit is at work when people begin weeping or people begin shouting or people raise their hands or people speak in unknown tongues or people fall away. All of these things people might say are the evidences, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is at work? How do we know that the Holy Spirit is working in a church? Well, Paul doesn't say anything about music. He doesn't say anything about tears. He doesn't say anything about tongues. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is at work when we look for his fruit? Is there love there? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there long-suffering patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The Holy Spirit working is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit working produces Christ-likeness, Christ-like attitudes that will result in Christ-like actions. And so Paul tells us how to know if the Holy Spirit is work, we look for his fruit. The fruit comes because of the root and the Good tree will produce good fruit, and the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. And so in this passage, Paul writes to the Galatian believers. He has spent a lot of time exposing the false teachers, the unbelievers, the legalists who had come uh, adding to the gospel, adding works to grace, adding law to faith. He had exposed the false teachers, and he had made it very clear that we are not justified by obeying the law. We are justified by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus obeyed the law in our place. 
Jesus took the demands of the law against us lawbreakers on himself as he paid the penalty the law demands for our sin. And God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted. And he calls us to turn from our sin and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone for our salvation. And those who have trusted in Jesus Christ have been declared right, declared righteous, declared right in God's sight, legally declared that their sins are forgiven and Christ's righteousness has been uh, uh, credited to them. And we call that justification. Justification is the right legal standing before God that God gives by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He declares our sins forgiven. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We are in Christ. Therefore, we are in right legal standing before God. And that justification has absolutely nothing to do with our behavior, but everything to do with God's legal decision, God's kindness toward us in Christ Jesus to declare us righteous because we are in Christ. And that is a moment in time God makes a legal decree, a legal decision. You are right in my eyes. You are right in my standing. And then the Christian life becomes a process of us becoming in our practice what God has declared us to be in position. He has declared us to be in Christ, and now we live our Christian lives working to be like Christ. He has declared us to be righteous in his eyes, and we spend the rest of our Christian lives working to be right in our practice, in our deeds, and in our actions. He has declared us to be his children, adopted us as his sons and daughters. And we spend the rest of our Christian lives living in an intimate, personal relationship with God, our Father, and with our brothers and sisters in Christ, other members adopted into the family. And so the whole Christian life can be summarized by saying it is working to become in our practice and our actions what God has already made us to be in his position, the Christian life is working to be what you are, to be who you are. And here in this text, if you are in the Spirit, which when you are regenerated by the power of God, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you, you are born again, you are in the Spirit, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then the Christian life is a life where we endeavor to walk in the Spirit, where we endeavor to be who we are. And the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, how do we see him at work? We, we don't see him. He's invisible. Even Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We cannot see the Holy Spirit, but we can see his fruit. We can see the Holy Spirit producing his fruit in the lives of those that he has regenerated and that he indwells. And so in this passage, Paul encourages us to be who we are. If we're in the Spirit, we should be walking in the Spirit. And he gives us three assurances of walking in the Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. The Holy Spirit will produce fruit and fruit is so essential fruit is the goal and uh, we saw in John chapter 15 on Jesus last night of his earthly life what did he tell the disciples abide in me abide in me I am the vine you are the branches 
If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And my father, the vine dresser, will tend the vine to maximize the fruit production. The purpose is fruit, and we abide in Jesus Christ, and his word abides in us, and we will bear fruit. Every branch that does not bear fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire. And so those who are born again, those who are in Christ, will bear fruit. The Holy Spirit will produce his fruit in their lives. Jesus told the parable in Matthew chapter uh, 13 of of a sower going out to sow seed. The seed is the word of God. And Jesus said some of that seed falls on the hard path and the, the enemy, the, the agents of the evil one come and pluck away what is sown and there's no fruit. Others fall in the shallow soil and because there's no depth, no root, the sun comes out, it dries up and withers, there is no fruit. Others fall in the crowded soil among the thorns and it's crowded out by the desires of this life and there is no fruit. But Jesus also said some of the seed finds fertile soil, good hearts. And that seed goes down and it produces fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And so we see that the fruit is not the same in every believer. It doesn't come at the same rate. doesn't come in the same amount. But the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. And so Paul calls us to be who we are. You've been born by the Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are in the Spirit. And now you need to walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit will produce His fruit. And something else I'd like for us to notice about this passage. Last week we talked about the works of the flesh. And today we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's significant that Paul talks about the works of the flesh in the plural and yet the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the singular. And so uh, uh, he does give us nine aspects of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And and, and yet that fruit, he uses the word fruit as singular showing that It is a package deal. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is a package deal. You don't just say, well, today I will love. Tomorrow I will have joy. The next day I will have peace. The next day I will be patient. No, this is a basket of fruit. And all of that fruit, that variety comes in the one basket as a package deal. Unlike the works of the flesh. Notice he says in uh, uh, the, the verse 19, now the works of the flesh. And then he gives a list of the works of the flesh. But those are things that sinners can pick and choose. You know, you can, uh, you can commit adultery without uh, uh, doing the others. And you can wake up and say, today I want to, uh, to, to do sorcery, but not do the other things. And, you, and the sinners pick and choose their sin. Not everybody does all those things. And yet the fruit of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is producing His fruit, He produces all of it in the lives of believer. He produces his fruit. We don't pick and choose, and this is not a process. It doesn't build on another. It is a beautiful basket of fruit that all comes with the exception of love. Love is listed first, and love is the greatest of these. 
uh, but the others, there's no process, there's no magic formula, there's no outline, there are no steps that we take in our spiritual growth. We simply walk in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit is basically Christ-like character. The attributes of Christ. He produces the works and the attitudes of Christ in the hearts of those who believe. And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit is growing to be more like Jesus. Paul says you are in Christ and your Christian life is the process of becoming more and more like Christ. You have been converted to Christ and now you are being conformed to the image of Christ. You are in Christ and the Holy Spirit works in you to produce Christ-like characteristics and Christ-like attitudes that result in Christ-like actions. And so the Holy Spirit will produce His fruit. And notice that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does it. I can't say, well, I'm going to work up love today. No, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces these characteristics. But it's also important to note that all of these things that the Holy Spirit produces that are the fruit of the Holy Spirit that are His produce, all of these things, you go through the New Testament and you can find commands where we're commanded to do these things. We're commanded to love. We're commanded to have joy. We're commanded to live in peace. We're commanded to be patient. We're commanded to be kind, to be good, to be faithful, to be gentle, and to exercise self-control. All these things we are commanded to do, but in and of ourselves we cannot do it. We can only do these things as the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in us. And so we are commanded to do what only the Spirit can do because we are in the Spirit and so we are commanded to walk in the Spirit. We're commanded to be who we are. And if you've been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in the Spirit, and so you must walk in the Spirit. If you have turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ, and you are commanded to be like Christ, which is the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in you. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we are commanded to do it. So what does that mean for us? That means we're to walk in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit produces his fruit in our lives. And so Paul tells us, be who you are. If you are in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. If you're in Christ, then be like Christ. Be who you are. And the work of the Holy Spirit does two things. He produces his fruit, but he also restrains the flesh. As Paul said at the beginning, he says, you walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the, the flesh. And so the Holy Spirit does two kinds of works. He restrains the works of our flesh and produces the fruit of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in us by enabling us to put off the deeds of the flesh and producing in us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us, be who you are. And the first assurance he gives us as he gives us that charge is that the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. The second thing he tells us is that the Holy Spirit is, there is no restraint against the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice what he says at the end of verse 23. Against such things there is no law. Now, when I read that passage, the first thing I think of is, of course, there's no law against love. (laughs) Of course, there's no law against being kind. You know, even lost people want people to love. Even lost people want to be loved. Even lost people want people to be kind to them. Even lost people want people to, uh, to be gentle and to be, to be gracious, to be generous. There's no law against these things because they are desirable attributes. They are desirable characteristics. And so God doesn't set a law against loving and being joyful and having peace and being patient and, and gentle and kind and, 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 uh, and faithful. God doesn't put those things off limits because God commands us to do those as we walk in the Holy Spirit. And even human authority, the government authorities. The government authority is not going to pass a law saying, thou shalt not be loving, thou shalt not be kind. These are desirable characteristics. And so I thought, why would Paul say, against such things there is no law? These are desirable characteristics, so surely they would not be prohibited by any divine or even human authority Of course there's no law against these things because these are desirable characteristics, Christ-like characteristics. But then as I thought about it, I thought, well, Paul says this because he's addressing the situation in the Galatian church. Remember the false teachers, their big fear is that this gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone will not have the power to restrain the flesh. And so you've got all these sinful people coming into the church out of their paganism, out of their idolatry, out of their adul- uh, adultery, out of their fornication, out of their uncleanness, out of their sorcery. They're coming in out of this pagan world. And if we don't give them some rules and regulations, if we don't do something, there will be no restraint against their flesh. And they'll just bring all of that, all those pagan practices into the church. And so we need to lay down some rules and regulations so that their flesh will be restrained. They saw the law as the only restraint against the flesh. And they knew that the flesh needed to be restrained. And so I think Paul is addressing that false teacher, saying, you know, these people are saying that you've got to have rules and regulations and laws in order to restrain the flesh. But it's the Holy Spirit that puts the restraint on the flesh. It's the Holy Spirit that restrains the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, verse 16. So the Holy Spirit restrains the flesh and produces His fruit. His work is twofold. Restraining the flesh, helping us put off those things that are unpleasing to God, those works of the flesh, and producing in us those things that are pleasing to God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So the Holy Spirit produces, he is the one that restrains the flesh, and he produces these desirable Christ-like characteristics. And there is no restraint. There's no holding back. There's no limit to the amount of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and and gentleness and faithfulness and and kindness and self-control that the Holy Spirit will, will, will produce. There's no need to be restrained. There's no need to be held back. There's no need to restrain the work of the Spirit because these are desirable things. 
You know, if I, uh, walking in my flesh, I might hate someone and desire to murder them, but I am restrained from committing murder because it's against the law. It's against God's law. It's against the law of man. If I kill this person, I'll spend the rest of my life in prison, so I don't want to do it. There's no such restraint on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. No restraint. No law against love. No law against being joyful. No law against experiencing peace. There's nothing, no holding back. The only thing holding back the produce of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is our failure to walk in the Spirit. The problem's not with the Holy Spirit not being active. The problem's with me. Because I ain't being who I am. I'm in the Spirit, but I'm not walking in the Spirit. The problem's not the Holy Spirit's not working. The problem's not, the law's not restraining my flesh. The problem is me. I am not being who I am. I'm not walking in the Spirit. That's the only restraint. There is no law against the Holy Spirit producing His fruit. And so the problem's not the Holy Spirit. The problem's not a lack of law. The problem's a lack of us. Being who we are. Those who are living by the Spirit, but not walking in the Spirit, that's the problem. So Paul calls us to be who we are. If you're in the Spirit, verse 25, walk in the Spirit. If you're in Christ, be like Christ. The Holy Spirit produces His fruit. You abide in the vine. The vine will produce what you need, will produce his fruit through you. If the root is good, the fruit will be good. A good tree produces good fruit. And so you be who you are. Because the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. There is no restraint. There's no law against the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not being produced, the problem is you. You're not being who you are. You're not walking in the Spirit. Because the third assurance, verse 24, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All right, so here again we get to positional truth. You know, we are justified and we begin the process of being sanctified. We are in Christ. We begin the process of becoming more like Christ, being conformed to His image. We are in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, born again by the Spirit, recreated by the Spirit, and we begin the process of walking with the Spirit. We are, our flesh is crucified with Christ, positional, and then we begin the process of putting to death the flesh. Well, we crucified the flesh, but obviously we still live in the flesh. That new man is still in this body because this body's not yet been glorified. And so there's still indwelling sin. There's still the sin that remains. There's still the lust of the flesh that are at war with the spirit. We talked about that last week. We still, our flesh has been crucified, and yet we still live in it. And we still struggle with it. And we still fight it. We still have to battle it every day. As it wars against the spirit. Just like Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, those are, those are, those are, those are the things that I don't do and the things that I don't want to do, the things that I do. We battle with the flesh. 
We still live in this flesh, even though it has been crucified. So crucified is positional. Our flesh has been put to death, and yet we still live in it, and we have to battle it and kill it every day. And, and when Paul tells us that the flesh has been crucified, it no longer has power over us. We are no longer enslaved to it. We no longer have to have the law to restrain our flesh because it's been put to death. And we've got the Holy Spirit that's at war with the flesh. And so the, the, holy, the, the, flesh, the flesh has no more power over us. We are not enslaved. We are not in bondage. We have the power of the Holy Spirit who wars with the flesh and has the power over it. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to give us uh, new life over our flesh. And so again, if I'm walking in the fruits of the flesh and, and dissension and, and uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, problems not with the Holy Spirit, problems me. I'm not being who I am. Flesh has been put to death. It has no power over me. What am I doing? Fulfilling the works of the flesh. Why am I not being who I am? Why am I not living the new life that Christ raised me to walk? Romans chapter 6 says, don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? And you've been raised to walk in newness of life? Flesh has been crucified. Why are you letting it win the battles? Why is it winning the war? Because you're not being who you are. You're living in the Spirit, but you're not walking in the Spirit. You know, when I, you know, well, I hesitate to use this example because of all the things that are going on. Y'all remember Flip Wilson? <laughs> and, and Flip Wilson would pretend to be a Geraldine right back then when those things were funny. Not anymore. But Geraldine would always say, the devil made me do it. No. Devil didn't make you do it. Devil can't make you sin. The devil can, and what the devil does is he shows you the reward and hides the cost. I have a couple minutes of pleasure, but it's going to cost me a lifetime of misery. Shows the reward, he hides the cost. No, you will not surely die. He can't make you sin. He has no power over you. He's a defeated enemy. Jesus crushed his head. devil didn't make you do it. The enticements of the world, they can't make you sin. They can look attractive. They can show you the reward and hide the cost. But if you love the things of this world, love of the Father is not in you, John says, 1 John. The world can't make you sin. And guess what? Even your flesh that's attracted to those things has been crucified. You can only blame your heart. Your heart. You're not being who you are. You're not taking advantage of the power that is in you. You're in the spirit, but you're not walking in the spirit. So that's why Paul gives us these three assurances. The Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. There is no restraint 
against the Holy Spirit? And your flesh has been crucified. Therefore, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Be who you are. Take advantage of the power that is within you. Be who you are. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You are in Christ. Work with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to produce His fruit to conform you to the image of Christ. You are declared righteous. Be righteous in your actions, attitudes, words, thoughts. Be who you are. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Don't be conceited. Don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, Christ-likeness. How do I know that the Holy Spirit's at work? I see love. I see joy. I see peace. I see patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How do we know He's working? We see His fruit. We see His progress so the conclusion the application be who you are if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone for your salvation you've been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit you have life in the Holy Spirit walk in the Spirit and if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone you're in bondage to, the, to those things of the flesh. Maybe today, maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you to Himself. Calling you to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Maybe you've tried to have been saved by your own effort, by your good works, by your religious activity, by ceremonies or rituals. Maybe you've put your trust in, in all these things and now, now the Holy Spirit is calling you to, to stop trusting in yourself and stop trusting in your flesh and your effort and your work and your, and your uh, religion. And put your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be declared righteous in God's sight. And righteousness, justification, a right standing with God is a gift of God's grace that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone is finished work on the cross. And maybe some of you here need to become someone new as you come to Christ. And others, you need to be who you are. You're in Christ, and you need to be conformed to the image of Christ. Let's pray now. Lord God, we pray that you help us to, uh, to be in the fight. Lord, don't let us surrender to our flesh, which is a defeated enemy. But Lord, help us to fight every day to put it to death. 
Help us to become in our practice what you have declared us to be in position. Our flesh crucified with Christ. Lord, help us to put it to death. You've declared us to be in Christ. Help us to be more like him. You've declared us to be in the Spirit. You've filled us with the Spirit. Help us to walk in the Spirit. Lord, help us to be who we are. God, I pray that people would look at us and say, you know, that community of grace, the Holy Spirit's at work. Because I see love. I see joy. I see peace. I see patience. I see kindness. I see gentleness. I see goodness. I see faithfulness. I see self-control. I know the Holy Spirit's there because I see His work. I see His fruit. I see those people doing things that people can't do that only God can do through them. Lord, Give us a testimony among those around us that that's a place where they love each other and they love their neighbor and they even love their enemies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm going to ask you to take out your hymnal. Grace to you and peace. From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.